Lax. Okay. Yes. Lax. Which is funny because it's about money. Which, if you have money, you're not lacking. Hey! Oh, hey. that's great. Okay. Lax. <laughs> girls talk bollywood i'm kim and i'm katie and we're here to talk about singing and dancing and one of our favorite bollywood boys ranveer singh yeah and even though he is here this is also a very bollywood lady forward movie yes um which is exciting um ranveer is mostly just here to look pretty (laughs) that is literally his whole thing (laughs) (laughs) being pretty and taking money (laughs) yep it's his whole job and you know what good for him because there's so many movies that have like unemployed handsome men which is one of our favorite things to bring up and he is unemployed Mm -hmm. but also isn't I think we could say he's (laughs) self-employed yeah or like he works freelance (laughs) (laughs) freelance con man yeah (laughs) the ladies are fantastic the ladies are fantastic. The movie we're talking about this week is Ladies versus Ricky Bell. This movie is introducing Paraniti Chopra as Dimple, Dipanita Sharma as Reina, Aditi Sharma as Saira, Anushka Sharma as Ishika. A lot of Sharmas, not related. Yes. <laughs> and of course, Ranveer Singh as our boy Ricky, or as they often refer to him in the movie, Bloody Scoundrel. Mm-hmm. It's a good nickname. Yeah. Manish Sharma directs this film. It is a Yash Raj production. This is definitely not my favorite performance of Ron Veers. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Which, like we've said, he's not the key focus of this. Even though the plot is centered around him and what he's doing, he probably speaks like 40 total words in the movie. He's not doing a whole lot. Yeah, he acts more with his like face. Yeah. He is such an over-the-top, energetic Mm-hmm. super charming actor he's kind of like Shahrukh in that way he is so flat for most of this movie he also says this is not his best for performance and he feels like well, he's sure. become <laughs> he feels like he's he's really come into his own since then but again this movie's not about him it's about the ladies and the ladies are great and they do I feel like really shine yeah like the different personalities are so yeah. fun. And- I do. I love all the ways that they interact with each other. But the movie starts with Dimple Chadha. She is young, she's colorful, she's confident, and she is on her way to a wedding with her friends. But as they're driving, they pull off to the side of the road. Dimple starts to strip off the outer layer of her clothes, and she's wearing like a super cute, sassy ensemble underneath. Um, yeah, very shiny blue tank top. Yes, love a shiny blue tank top. Of course. <laughs> um, and she jumps out of the car and she hops on a motorcycle with her boyfriend, Sunny, and they jet off into our first dance number. There's no delays. Yeah. We're right into it here. Love it. <laughs> I did just want to note, too, that she, as she's about to get on his bike, she's like, take your helmet off, take your helmet <laughs> off. I think because she wants to show him off yeah. to her friends. <laughs> And then he, like, doesn't. But then they get where they're going. Uh And he does take his helmet off. Yeah. And he is wearing this bandana. Love a bandana. I love a bandana. Yeah. And he's... And the cutest smile. Yeah. He does have the best smile. It's really... It's incredible. As Sunny, he 
often is wearing like a sweatband, which just yep. makes me think of Joey Richter <laughs> in, sure. in Harry Potter musical. Anyway, our first dance number here is Jigar Ad Tokuda. We learn over the course of this number that Sunny is Dimple's trainer at the gym. That's how they met. He wears a lot of tank tops on top of t-shirts. <laughs> yeah, literally, I wrote that he is wearing like three layers because not only <laughs> is he wearing a tank top on top of a t-shirt, he's also wearing like a hooded vest oh, wow. on top of the tank top yeah. on top of the t-shirt. That is so funny. He's wearing three layers, none of which have sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This this is sunny. <laughs> At the end of the number, Dimple tries to kiss Sunny, but he doesn't let her. And that's going to become important later on. Yes. Um, but Dimple passes out, presumably because she's maybe had a little too much to drink. And Sunny has to carry her back into her house. <laughs> and I love that, like, as he's carrying her in, her, her parents are like, what are you doing? Who are you? And he's like, let me just put her down first and then you can scold me. <laughs> Well, and he's like literally carrying her like she's a sack of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> like she looks like she might be about to fall out of his I arms know. and he keeps like throwing her up in the air to readjust. <laughs> this is a small woman and a very strong man, but yeah. it's still very funny. The the comedy here is great. Um anyway, he does put her down. Dimple's dad is literally aiming a gun at him through this whole conversation, yeah. but he wins both of her parents over. He's super flattering of her dad. Um, and he's just also generally, like, so adorable and sweet. Anyway, events transpire, and through the course of these events, we learn that Sunny owns a big, beautiful house in a fancy neighborhood in Delhi. I'm not totally clear on what's going on here, but, like, he's paying for the house, but there are other people who are living in the house who are paying him rent, but the rent isn't enough to, like, cover the cost of the house. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> This is the situation. This is how he describes it to Dimple. Dimple convinces her dad to buy the house from Sunny for 20 locks. At first, Sunny is like, no, I'm not going to sell the house. It has too much sentimental value to me. But he does eventually agree. And then he, you know, he drives off with a suitcase full of money. Yeah. And then Dimple's dad gets arrested. <laughs> because uh, he basically took this house by force. He broke in with a bunch yep. of his goons. They started beating up all the people they find in the house and breaking all no the good. furniture. Definitely no yep. good. Um, yeah. Did they really have to like throw out all the big pieces I of know. furniture? That felt like overkill. And they're like throwing sofas over the, the balcony. Yeah, like come on. It's, it's, yeah, a little much there. But the house it transpires was not in fact Sunny's. Its actual owner is understandably very upset that this has happened. Dimple goes looking for Sunny, but he's disappeared from the gym. His apartment is totally cleared out. He's nowhere to be found. And so she tries to call him. And she hears a playback tone of Shah Rukh Khan. <laughs> and I tried to figure out where this quote was from. I, I mean, I did a little bit of Googling, but I did not figure it out. Maybe it's Don. It could be. I mean, Don, you know, he's a criminal in that. He's criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Dimple realizes that she's she's been conned. She and her father have been conned out of 20 locks. We transition into another dance number, which is Adat Se Majboor, which is basically just a compilation of Sunny, who is Ranveer Singh, conning a bunch of ladies. <laughs> yes. Um, I also wanted to ask you, Kim, because we've brought up fedoras several times. Oh, yes, yeah, sure. On this, on this podcast. Uh-huh. And in this dance number, 
Ricky is wearing a red fedora. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? Negative. (laughs) (laughs) I, I do. I think there are some people who can pull off a fedora. It's a very small number of people. As much as I love Ron Veer, he's not one of them. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) What are your thoughts on the fedora? I don't know about the fedora. I think I'm nothing it. It's fun. It is. The fashion of this movie is very rooted in like the late aughts into the early teens. And this movie came out in 2011. And you can feel that at certain moments. I did write. I loved when he was pretending to be a waiter. He had his hair pulled back and had a little ponytail. A little little, like Wesley ponytail. Yes. yes, Very Wesley Loved it. And at one point the song says, con man, baby, and your lover. (laughs) And it was in English, which is how I <laughs> recognized it. And I was like, huh, now, I'm write that down. Now there's your t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Winky emoji. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. But over the course of this number, as we've said, we're seeing him using a lot of different techniques to charm these ladies. Mostly it's just that he's incredibly handsome and can pull this yep. off. I'd love to know his origin story. I, yeah, prequel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After the montage, we meet Reina, and Reina is a cutthroat, competent businesswoman who literally at one point tells a male coworker to go and cry in his cubicle, which is just the strongest thing I can imagine a woman doing. Yes. Maybe mean, depending on what that man's going through currently. It's, but... it's probably definitely mean, but also very funny. <laughs> If it's justified, then it's hilarious. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Reina has been tasked with acquiring an M.F. Hussein painting to hang in her company's new office building. And so she's driving by an art gallery and she meets a gallerist named Devon or Dev, who is wearing a shirt that's like a cape slash shawl thing. <laughs> but like those yeah, are the that sleeves. That one's not good either. <laughs> this was one of my scary outfits. Dev happens to be exhibiting the exact Hussein painting that Reina's boss wants to hang in their office building. And so Reina and Dev have some back and forth. He puts her in touch with the wealthy family who owns the painting. Um, and then he pretends to be one of the brothers from that family over the phone and agrees to sell the painting to Reina. In that moment that he is on the phone with Reina, he like leans back and puts his feet up. And it's just the effortless, mm-hmm. like, confidence of it. It's so casually powerful. Yeah. And I was like, again, we come back to a man doing what he does well. Yes. Even if it is being a con, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Competence is very sexy. After the grand opening of the office building, it comes out that this is not, in fact, the original Hussein painting. Um, And the family who owns the painting is furious that this office is claiming that they have their painting. Reina's boss is also furious. She asks Mm -hmm. him for a little trust, and she says she's been conned. Um, She tries to reach Dev, and she gets the same Shah Rukh Khan playback message that Dimple got when she was calling Sunny. Reina is interviewed on the news, and she explains everything that happened to her. And then she gets a call from Dimple. And these two women have never met before. But she says that she believes she was conned by the same man. And she sends Reina a picture of Sunny. And yes, Sunny is in fact Dev. Reina gets a call from another woman, Syra. Syra was also conned by a man named Iqbal. And yes, mm-hmm. it is in fact the same guy. And Syra's story is a little sad. It's it's a little different from the others. She's a widow, and she lives and works with her late husband's family. 
Iqbal charms her. They have like a meet cute at a bus stop. And then he offers to sell fabric to her father-in-law. And the father-in-law pays the money up front. And he explains that he's hoping that this is going to lead to, and he says, an end to Syrah's loneliness. And so clearly he's like, I can see that you're kind of crushing on this guy. Maybe this will lead to you two getting married. And Syrah's like, okay. And then... And then he just disappears with their money. Yeah, yeah. I did write that this was my favorite Ricky so far. Mm -hmm. We have talked separately in our personal lives about how (laughs) Ramvir Singh can rock a mustache. Oh, yes. Um, I think, like, the cut of his clothing's really nice. He's wearing, like, a choker with, like, a little feathery, I don't even know what you call that thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's nice. I think he's got a little coal around his eyes, too. Yeah, yeah. And I was like... I guess it helps to be handsome and tall with good shoulders it, when you're a con I'm man. pretty sure that always helps. <laughs> that always helps, helps in every situation, other than yeah. maybe like crawling through air ducts. <laughs> so the three ladies decide that they're going to team up, but they realize they can't go to the police because then he's just going to like go underground and disappear. Mm-hmm. So they meet up in Mumbai. Dimple, by the way, as she is leaving the plane, is wearing like a humongous owl necklace. Which, again, is like the most 2011 thing. (laughs) So great. I had a big owl necklace. Did you really? Yeah, literally at that time period. I think I was, yeah, like a first year sophomore Mm -hmm. in high school. Yeah, I had a pair of like big owl earrings that I wore like almost every day in college. So there it is. It's a great time. (laughs) So they're they're chatting about what they're going to do here. They start to refer to Sonny slash Dev slash Iqbal as bloody Kamina, which means bloody scoundrel. Um, Mm -hmm. From here on out, I'm going to just call him Ricky because we find out at the end that that's his name, but also it's the title of the movie. So you could probably guess. Yeah, it's not really a story. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Raina says that Ricky cheated them. So now they are going to cheat Ricky and they're going to try to trick him into conning someone. But really, they are the ones who are doing the conning. And Raina has the exact right person in mind to play the bait. And now it's time for the dance number that introduces Anushka's character, Ishika. Uh, and this yeah. number is uh, Jazuba. It's a good one. It's a good bop. I, I was a she's, fan. Yeah, she just has so much personality. She really does. Oh, yeah. Love her. You're just immediately drawn in by her energy. She's like mm-hmm. dancing in the streets. She's playing cricket with some children. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we find... What is this woman's life? I know. <laughs> She's apparently got a lot of free time to just, like, party around and vibe. <laughs> Ishika, we learn, is a saleswoman, and she is good at her job. Um, mm-hmm. She works in, like, a, you know, like a home goods kind of a store, and the three ladies go, Reina's introducing them to Ishika, and she sells them, like, just a ton of useless crap that they have no need for. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dimple buys, like, a mandolin slicer. <laughs> yeah, she's so excited about yeah, it, too. Like, you're on vacation in Mumbai, why did you buy this? So they approach her and they reveal their plan and they offer to pay her five locks for a month of time helping them pull off this con. And Ishika expresses the very reasonable concern that Ricky is a psycho rapist. (laughs) Um, Fair. But they assure her that he is not the type to take advantage of the ladies physically. And we've seen this. And I do like the dimples like, well, no, actually, he's very nice. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's very nice. And that's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So she agrees. She says, let's show this scoundrel what pain means. And so now all that's left is to find Ricky. And so they hire like some techie guy to find a list of the people who use that SRK playback tone. Uh, they discover that Ricky is now going by the name of Diego Vaz, and he is in Goa. Mm-hmm. And now we cut to Ricky in Goa. Katie, I'm wondering if you would like to describe this next shot. Oh, God, how? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, as background, this was not my first Ron Beer Singh film. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on board with him, and I like him as an actor, but I'm not really feeling the the magnetic draw. Right. He was still like a nice sweet sister type for you. <laughs> yeah, he was a nice sweet sister type. Exactly. <laughs> you know, even in the beginning of this film, I'm like, yeah, I get it. He's handsome. Yeah, mm-hmm. like and then the beach scene happens <laughs> and, and there's just something about that stretch yep. he does. Yeah. Just like his rippling back muscles. I'm speechless. I don't think you want me to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've you've done a, an excellent job. Oh, thank you. Yes, let's just say it's it's someone put some sort of gleaming something on his skin. <laughs> He's glistening, and it's just a lot of long, lean muscle. Yep. and we'll leave it at and that. We'll leave it at that. You know, that's a great place to. <laughs> this is the end of Act One, and it is it's one of the more exciting <laughs> launches into intermission that we've had so far. Mm, yeah. So the three ladies, not including Ishika, are staying at. Reina's friend's house in Goa. So they find out that Ricky works for a jet ski rental place. And so they go and they stalk him. Um, And they see that he's working with a guy named Shankar, who works at like a local five-star hotel. um, And he's Mm -hmm. kind of helping him scope out potential targets for his next con. At night, they see Ricky cooking dinner and eating by himself at his house. He's shirtless and very oily. (laughs) Yeah, always. That's just his, his, his normal, natural state. Uh, way of moving through the world. Yeah. So they're watching him, and Syra observes that he has everything that he could possibly want, but he doesn't have anyone to share it with. And Reina's basically mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, of course not. He would never fall into the trap of actually being in love with someone. Mm-hmm. Foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> So they start to lay the groundwork for their con. Ishika becomes Ishika Patel, and she is the the daughter of a wealthy hotel mogul. And the story is that Ishika is setting up her own business in Goa. Um, She checks into a five-star hotel. Um, She's putting on this very cool, rich heiress air. She's wearing like this form-fitting like white dress Uh that has buttons and really fun heels. She looks great, she, and I love that outfit. It, that is a great outfit. She, yeah, she looks so good throughout this whole movie. But yeah, she does a good yes, job of like. She looks very like professional, but also like cool and young and carefree. Yeah. But the second the hotel staff leave her alone in the room, she is like just partying. <laughs> She's like yeah. literally jumping on the furniture. But so she asks for Shankar, who again we know is working with Ricky, and she asks Shankar to find her a list of property dealers in Goa, but only the ones who deal in properties that cost one crore or more, because the rest will be a total waste of her time, of course, because she's rich Mm -hmm. and beautiful. Yeah, I think it would be helpful to just 
talk about what some of these money words mean. Yes, very because helpful. At, at the beginning, we talked about lacks, and now we're talking about crores. So just so that everyone is on the same page, one crore is 10 million, and one crore is equal to 100 lakhs. That's what we're looking at. One lakh is 100,000. Right, okay. And just so that, you know, if you're in the U.S. and you're trying to think, okay, well, what's the USD equivalent of this? One crore right now is $250,000. Okay, that's helpful. This is not chump change. This no, is seriously. That's what we're working with. So two, So she's yeah. saying any property less than $250,000 is below her interest. She just, you know, could not care less. Yes. Shankar goes and immediately tells Ricky that he has a potential target for him. So Ricky is then stalking Ishika. And he goes to the hotel and he sees her sexily swimming. Ishika, she comes, she like takes off her cover up. She looks gorgeous. She's like casually and sexily walking into the pool. Mm-hmm. Then she reaches reaches a drop. Where <laughs> that's a big drop into the pool, like to go from the shallow end to uh-huh. the deep end. It's like a three foot drop. Yeah. And I don't know how she manages to make that look sexy too. <laughs> but she does. She just like casually strides right off that mm-hmm. thing and like floats down. Yeah. It is not at all like the scene in Bang Bang <laughs> where the minion walks <laughs> into the pool <laughs> and flops over the oh drop. Oh my god, I love that scene so much. Ricky is not the only one who has sexy competence going on here. Ishika yeah, that's is very also true. just, she is a very like confident, self-possessed woman. It's great. So we get a quick montage of the ladies following Ricky while he is following Ishika, and they end up at a bar together. You know, by design, they end up at a bar together. He walks into the bar and Dimple is watching from like the car that the ladies are in. And she's like, when will he stop looking so handsome? Um, <laughs> never. <laughs> and yeah, the answer to that is never. Ishika is sitting down the bar from him. There's a good amount of distance between them. And a couple of guys like come up to the bar in between them. And they look at Ishika and they're checking her out. And then she just like turns her head and looks at them and like yeah. smiles in a very threatening way. <laughs> Yeah, not in an inviting way. No. She is very much like, stop looking at right. me. I didn't invite your attention. Yeah. Go away. It is so perfect. And she does these men, like, they run off. They run scared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're like, As nope. They <laughs> so then she goes and she tries to pay for her drinks, but her card is declined. And then she calls the credit card company and she's literally reading her credit card number out loud yeah. in this bar, which is stupid. But, I mean, it's it's setting the stage here. Like, she's... You know, she's a rich woman. She doesn't need to worry about her money. But the bartender tells her that her drinks have already been paid for by her friend. And he gestures over to Ricky. So Ishika goes over to Ricky and she's like, when did you become my friend? And Ricky's like, (laughs) we became friends when you and that guy who was checking you out became enemies. Um, (laughs) And she's like, "Okay, well, thanks for the drinks. Let me pay you back. But he's like, actually, I didn't pay for them. I pointed at the creepy guy's card and the bartender was just thought that that was my card. And so the creepy guy paid for them. That would win me I over. Seriously. Immediately. Yes. <laughs> this is very slick. This is a great move. Yeah. Like I saw you get hit on without your consent and then I made those people pay for your drinks. Like that's the best. Yeah. No, that is, that's great. Ishika calls him a classy thief, classy chore. And Ricky protests. He's like, yeah, I'm classy, but, like, I'm not a thief. 
And he says, the, the man misbehaved. I was punishing him. That's not stealing, which it is. But, you know, this is his <laughs> argument. And Ishika says that she's not in Goa to see tricks from hunks. And then she walks out. And the ladies are annoyed with Ishika for storming out because, you know, they see this as her giving up an opportunity to start, like, again, laying the groundwork for this con to happen. But Ishika is saying, no, I'm going to do this my way. I don't want to be playing the damsel in distress. Ricky then sends Ishika flowers as Vikram Tapar, the beach king. That is, that is his <laughs> title. Mm-hmm. So Ishika goes to confront him. They get a little flirty. They ride a jet ski together. Um, it's great. And she ends up explaining to him that she's here to try and impress her father by setting up a restaurant. And Ricky's like, that sounds great. I'd love to help make that happen. We're in it. (laughs) But Ishika, she like first like kind of expresses a little suspicion for him. And she's like, what are you planning to take all my money? And he's like, actually, yeah, never mind. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) He has such sparkly eyes as he says that. There's just so much mischief in his eyes always. It's one of Mm -hmm. the things I love about him. And this is also what ultimately makes him start to fall for her because she's playing hard to get and that's always sexy. Um, (laughs) Playing hard to get is not always sexy. Forget that I said that. No, I find it obnoxious (laughs) at this point. Yeah, no, it it was sexy when we were like teenagers. And And had energy. Exactly. And now it's like, you know what, just straight up, do you want me <laughs> or not? <laughs> um, so Ricky and Ishika go and they get a beer together. Ishika is saying, we're going to be equal partners in this and you're going to help me pay for a yacht party. And that's going to be where we get all these wealthy investors. Um, and he agrees to invest a crore in planning this party. Um, and it's not going to be a problem because then her dad's going to invest like 25 crores. That's so much money. That's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. That's like in the millions now. Yeah. Um, So now it's time for a conning montage. And the song that's playing is, I think, called Bloody Kamina. And it's because they just keep repeating that (laughs) line. But basically, the ladies are buying cheap clothes, purses, and shoes from the market. But then they're like dolling them up and making them look like designer shoes and clothes and things. Such an amazing idea. Yeah. And like, because they know what looks like it's high quality even though it's not and I'm like this is so brilliant no they they do a great job this is all very elaborate meanwhile Ishika and Ricky are touring potential properties for the restaurant that Ishika is pretending she's gonna create um and they're spending Mm -hmm. lots of flirty fun time together so we see them getting closer Ricky and Ishika go into a store where the store person is pretending to sell all of the fake designer goods that they've made. And Ricky buys a dress for Ishika that we hear in the market they spend 500 rupees on. And he buys mm-hmm. it for 90,000. <laughs> yeah, that's absurd. So What absurd. a great return on investment. Yeah, you know? seriously. I was watching this scene thinking, like, maybe all of these women should just become con artists themselves. Yes. I support (laughs) that. (laughs) Yeah. They're not bad at it. And Ishika convinces him to buy multiple dresses and purses and shoes, and so he ends up spending 16 and a half lakhs. The conning continues. Ricky ends up renting a yacht for 20 lakhs, which is actually Reina's friend's yacht. So that's 20 lakhs Mm -hmm. that they're just going to pocket. The ladies make fake invitations to this party. They buy food at the market. They're getting everything on the cheap, but they're making it look really fancy. And they made expensive wine. Yes. 
out of what is essentially jungle juice. <laughs> like, they just bought this really, really cheap alcohol oh. and then bought some juice and then I think mixed it with some other cheap alcohol and then slapped a really fancy label yep. on it and no one knew the difference. <laughs> Which really just goes to show you, like, rich people are just faking all their garbage. <laughs> yes! <laughs> but so they throw the party and while Ricky and Ishika are pretending to woo all of these rich investors at the yacht party. Um, The ladies are back home and they're celebrating because they have made, after all of the expenses, 35 lakhs, which nothing to sneeze at. After the party, Ricky and Ishika decide that they're going to go to a club together. This is my red flag outfit choice. Yes, this was the second one for me too. (laughs) Yes, I will say that his chest looks great. Sure. But what is up with this weird open-necked white shirt? It has like a cow neck. Yes. And then like the sleeves, it's got like medieval droopy sleeves (laughs) at the wrists. And white pants, but the pockets are like on the outside. The pockets are enormous. Um, why and also it's all it's white but also almost see-through like yes. it's bad you're not even pulling this off like no. who created this outfit yeah it's for no one if Ranveer Singh can't wear it it's for no one but Ishika looks good enough to make up for it she's wearing this super cute like lacy crop top that I need yeah. to own super cute <laughs> but meanwhile as they're headed to the club Ishika misses a call from Reina. And so Reina and Dimple and Saira are like, they're sitting at home and they're like drinking and celebrating. Um, and when Ishika misses this call, Dimple starts to suspect that there is a budding romance between these mm-hmm. two. And she is correct is. <laughs> because now we're at the club and the song Fatal Attraction is playing. Ooh, Very appropriate yeah. title. A lot of vibes. A lot of vibes. Big, big time vibes happening here. Yeah. <laughs> And so they're dancing together and it starts to turn very sensual and they're, you know, their faces are really close. They're breathing each other's air. At one point, he's like running his hand gently down her waist and then he like turns her around, but his hand is at the back of her head and then they kiss. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a really nice looking kiss. (laughs) It is. It's, it's, It's a very sexy kiss. Very, very sexy. And again, this is a big deal. We haven't seen him kiss any of the ladies he's conned before. And in fact, we saw him very intentionally not kiss Dimple when she tried to kiss him. This one's different for him. He's making choices. He's fallen. And now it's early morning and he's driving Ishika home from the club. And there's clearly some tension between them because, as we know, they're each trying to con each other. So I think they're each being a little awkward about that. He drops her off at the hotel and then he drives away. But then, like, we see the moment where he realizes he's like, Mm -hmm. you know what? I'm in love with her. And he turns around. Just the biggest smile on his adorable, precious little face. Biggest smile. So cute. And he heads back to the hotel. But... As he's approaching her room, he overhears Dimple yelling at Ishika because the ladies have gone over to her hotel room um, and they're yelling at her for being out all night. They were super worried about her. And Mm -hmm. Ricky, confused by this, he goes around and he's looking through her window and he sees that she is talking to three of the women who he very recently conned. It was a dumb slip up on their part yeah. to come to her hotel room. Seriously. That absolutely. They should have made her go to them because he doesn't know yeah. that location. 
Um, but so Ishika says she's still in, she still wants to bring him down. And so now Ricky knows their plan and we see him staring mournfully out at the ocean, still wearing this horrible baggy white outfit. So he brings Ishika to some land that he has located as, you know, potential property for their restaurant. And when he's showing this to her, he confesses that he has conned 30 ladies in the last mm -hmm. 15 years. And he's probably, I mean, like, Ron Veer, I don't think, is even 30 at this point. So, like, he's been conning ladies since he was, like, a teenager. Again, would love to know his origin story. Yeah. I feel like he was, like, a Peter Pan or an Aladdin or some yeah. kind of young you just, orphan boy running around the streets as a teenager you just named like each of our favorite disney movies <laughs> i know <laughs> and that and ron beer yeah it's just like living ricky's living right in the middle of the two of those he's nothing like peter pan <laughs> except that i want him to be <laughs> So anyway, Ricky is confessing to Ishika. He tells her that he loves her and he spent his entire life alone and now he wants to marry her. And so in the next scene, we see the ladies convincing Ishika that this is just a more elaborate ruse to take her money and that he doesn't actually love her because he's not the kind of man who can love. It sucks because I understand that that was their experience yeah. with him. But just because it was their experience with him doesn't mean that this other woman who is saying, like, he's developing feelings for me. He's in love with me. Right. Like, maybe you should listen to your girl. Yeah. No, exactly. But you do see a lot of moments of insecurity with oh, each yeah. of the women and particularly Dimple. Dimple. Like, mm -hmm. they really feel very embarrassed that this happened to them. And I think, yeah. And in, in Dimple's case, she actively thought that she... Yeah was going to have a romantic future with this person. Yeah, she, like, um, thought that they were going to get married. And so, yes, I understand her feelings of jealousy and wanting to belittle yeah. Ishika's experience, but it's a tough, you're right, it's a tough situation. It is, but that's what's so good about this movie. There's complicated dynamics, they they, mm -hmm. they add a lot, of, a lot of juice to it. Anyway, Syra comes up with a plan. Ishika will agree to marry Ricky, but then when she tells her father, her quote-unquote father, um, that they're getting married, he will insist that Ricky buy the land for the restaurant in Ishika's name as, you know, essentially security. And then they also do, like, they go and they get confirmation that the land is worth 90 lakh. So Ricky, he agrees to this plan of buying the land to secure the marriage with Ishika, but he tells her that he only has 45 lakhs. So the ladies decide that they're going to cover the rest. So they're going to give Ishika 45 lakhs that she's then going to give to Ricky, and they're hoping that they're going to be able to sell the land again for more than 90 lakhs. So they're thinking like, okay, we're going to give the money, but we're going to be able to get more back ultimately. Ishika, again, she tries to convince the women that he has changed and that when mm -hmm. she looks into his eyes, she sees that he is an honest man. And this really sends Syra over the edge. Like up until this point, she has been definitely like the sort of the most mellow of the ladies. And yeah. she starts yelling at Ishika saying, you know, I have seen those eyes my family was cheated by those eyes. And this is not a matter of you being smarter than us. He is a scoundrel. He is a bad person. So you need to stop being taken in by him the way that we were. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Ishika does ultimately confess to the ladies that she is in love with him. But she says she is an honest person. She's proud of being an honest person. So she's not going to cheat them. Yeah. So Ricky does end up buying the land. The ladies go to hang out at the land and they're celebrating. They're thanking Ishika for all of her hard work. They're congratulating themselves on a job well done. And then some guys show up. <laughs> <laughs> Some guys in a truck, and they're here from flood control. Yeah, no good. No good. They explain that this this tract of land is underwater for five months of the year and is worth less than three lakhs. Yeah, they paid 90. They paid 90. Ouch. Reina immediately turns to Ishika and starts blaming her for all of this, and she's saying, like, you double-crossed us, you're in cahoots with him. Um, But Syra, you know, sees that this is, they've all been cheated again. Mm -hmm. Um, And Ishika drives off in a rage. And so the ladies, they go, they end up going to the office where they had initially confirmed the value of the land, but it's empty. It's been totally cleared out. And they come to realize that Ricky bought the land for three lakhs and then he sold it to them for 90. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he is a, he's been doing this for a long time. He's good at conning people. But so the ladies, they go back to their house and who should be there waiting for them but Ricky. He's just sitting Mm -hmm. like super casually with a duffel bag (laughs) full of money. And he's so cute. He's like, I'm too good, aren't I? (laughs) (laughs) And he explains. He does have, he has no shame. He really doesn't. No shame, no regret. Yeah. He explains to the ladies that he has never actually thought about what the women that he has conned would lose whenever he won. But he is starting Mm -hmm. to understand what that feels like now. And then he gives them the money, which is one crore. So there they go. They've got what they wanted. And he says he's going straight. He's not going to do this anymore. He's seen the error of his ways. And he tells them he's not good at saying sorry. And so instead, he says, hats off. And he gives them a salute. <laughs> Even this is charming. Yeah, all it is. It is very charming. Finally, as he's leaving, he tells them that his proposal to Ishika was real. Um, And so the ladies are, they're at the airport, and Dimple starts reflecting on how, again, Ricky made that choice not to kiss her, not to take advantage of her. And I think there's this kind of, like, lightness in all of their eyes where they are starting to realize, like, actually, yeah, deep down, he is a good person. He did some very bad things, but he is ultimately a good person with a good heart. And they realize that they have the power to get these two crazy kids back together. And so we cut to Ishika who is standing outside of the the department store where she works in a Santa outfit. Again, Santa making an appearance. And she's handing out coupons to customers when Ricky shows up. And he's like, let's be a team. You know, your brains, my daring, we're the perfect partners. And Ishika, you know, she's a little hesitant at first. And she's like, you know what? I can't trust you after everything that's happened. And Ricky's like, well, that's why we're perfect for each other. Um, You know, we'll always see each other's lies. And then he says that he loves her. He asks her to marry him. He goes in to kiss her. But first, Ishika asks him what his real name is. Yep. And Ricky says, it's Ricky, Ricky Bell. And she laughs and says that she doesn't want to marry a man named Ricky. Yeah. (laughs) But they do kiss. Presumably they live happily ever after. Before we, you know, wrap up the story here, we do see the ladies. They're watching all of this transpire on some security cameras. And Dimple is crying. 
Yeah. And she's like, I just want to go home. At this point, like, the man that she loved, who she was trying to con, is now, like, going to live happily ever after with this beautiful woman. And so she's like, I just want to go home to my mom and my dad. And Syrah says, don't worry. We're going to find a better groom for you than Ricky. And and my theory... So Dimple then is going to go home. She's going to plan an elaborate dowry-themed con with her father, uh, but then Uh she's going to accidentally fall in love with the target of that con. Um, And that'll make sense to everyone after they watch next week's movie. (laughs) Anyway, um, we now get our, we get the end credit number, Tuglay, which I'm going to just say right now is my favorite song from the movie. It's got some good flips. It's got some excellent flips. It starts off with just like a bunch of flippy boys, which we always yep. love. When Ranveer comes in, he's wearing a leather jacket that's got like zippers all over it, but not like mm-hmm. functioning zippers, like zipper pulls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Anushka comes in. She's wearing like a fringy, feathery white dress. The ladies are all in this dance number. They're wearing all like black sparkly dresses. It's just like, it's a lot of fun. Everybody's having a good time together. It is fun. I think that the three women look kind of like they belong in an in sync music video sure. because at one point they're in like what feels like a tunnel and <laughs> yes. they're all wearing black and they take turns who's in front and I'm like this is straight out of <laughs> yes and I also want to say here I think I would put Ron Veer sing third on the list of best dancers in Bollywood after Rithik and Tiger because he like Rithik he's always dancing in character because it's not just the way he's moving it's the way he's like pulling you in with his eyes yeah I mean you can disagree I, I love his facial expressions I I do think that I will probably continue to be a little bit apprehensive about about choosing a third. creating too much of a list yeah, yeah. What was your favorite song from the movie? My favorite number from this film was the first one. Oh, that one is so fun. It's so fun. And honestly, there I was like, oh, look at Rotten Beer go. Yeah. He is dancing like a boss. Yes. I did make a note that I was like, coming in hot. Yeah. What a great high energy way to start off. A film. Totally. Yeah. I really like it. It had not previously been on my Bollywood Jams playlist. I don't know why. (laughs) And it is now. Excellent. Added to my playlist. So what did you research for this week? So you know what I researched, but (laughs) let me tell you, I went down a rabbit hole. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We're going to get into some stuff. Oh boy. So yes, I decided to research Goa. Great. There's a lot of movies that either take place in Goa or they visit Goa at some point Mm -hmm. or they talk about going to Goa. And the vision that we have kind of assembled of Goa is that it is beautiful beachside place, gorgeous trees, people Mm -hmm. kind of just ride scooters around, hang out on the beach, party, have a good time, maybe do drugs, and or get therapy from Shahrukh Khan. Yeah, (laughs) those are the things that happen in Goa. They always show the same stretch of like palm tree lined road yeah it just has a different vibe which i am going to go into basically just starting out with the bare facts Uh goa is a state that is on the southwestern coast of india along the arabian sea Mm -hmm. it is part of the konkan region so the majority of goa's inhabitants speak konkani okay goa is india's smallest state by area Mm -hmm. 
and the fourth smallest by population. Okay. But it has the highest GDP per capita out of all Indian states. Wow. Yeah. So the GDP per capita in Goa is two and a half times as high as the GDP per capita for the entirety of India. India's National Commission on Population has rated it as having the best quality of life in India, which makes sense because you have areas with more money. Yeah. Generally, quality of life is higher. And it is known for tourism due to its white sand beaches, active nightlife, and places of worship. So getting more into kind of the entirety of Goa, not just like the beachside places, Mm -hmm. Panaji is the capital of Goa, and Vasco da Gama is its largest city. Hmm. Now, Vasco da Gama is the name of a Portuguese explorer who is credited with discovering the sea route to India in the late 15th century. Okay. Super late 15th century, like somewhere in the 1490s. Okay. Goa was conquered by the Portuguese in the early 16th century, soon after they landed on India's shores. Goa was known as Portuguese India, and it was actually an overseas territory of Portugal until 1961. That was so recent. (laughs) It was so recent. But yes, so in 1961, Goa was annexed by India. Mm -hmm. So as I was reading up on this, I was like, okay, well, that's got to be a story, right? It is. Oh, boy. So yes, this 1961 annexation was referred to as the invasion of Goa by Portugal. But the liberation of Goa by India. Oh. (laughs) Understandably. (laughs) Two very different vibes. And I think that is very fair. But yes, you know, you always have this colonizer mindset Mm -hmm. of, well, they then stole our land. And it's like, okay, well, who stole whose land first? Exactly, yeah. Which I think is what we always have to come back to in these discussions. Obviously, there are lots of nuances in terms of at what point are you then disrupting the lives of people who are already living on that land? Mm -hmm. And this is a struggle that we in the U.S. are certainly, yeah, frankly, not handling enough. No. (laughs) You know, we too landed on these shores and stole land from the indigenous people who lived here, and we continue to live on their land and not give it back. And not give them anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We suck. Yeah. And look, I don't think anyone is fully in the right here, and I don't think anyone's fully in the wrong in this situation I'm about to explain and describe. I do actively think Portugal was in the wrong in the early 16th century when they colonized this part of India. Yes. I think the British Empire was in the wrong when they colonized India. Like, that was bad. Let it be said we are not on the side of the colonizers. (laughs) No. As descendants of colonizers. Yes. We don't like it. We don't approve. Yeah. Again, as general background, India got its independence from the British Empire in 1947, Mm -hmm. right? And so part of that, I think after the British Empire left, India was thinking, great, we'll also get our territory back from Portugal. Mm -hmm. In that kind of agreement, when India officially got its independence, it, as part of that agreement, recognized the sovereignty of Portugal over Goa. I haven't looked at the actual document, but based on what I've read, this is my understanding. If I'm wrong about this and someone's listening and they're like, oh my God, that's wrong, please do let me know. Throughout the 50s, India was trying to diplomatically work things out with Portugal to say, hey, any way we can get our land back, we've kind of been set back some from, you know, being colonized. Yeah. (laughs) 
just a tad. Portugal asserted that its territory was not a colony, but was actually part of the Portuguese nation. And therefore, it is not up for negotiation. They're like, this is our soil. This is our land. You cannot have it. One of their other arguments was that India had no rights to the territory because the Republic of India did not exist at the time that Goa came under Portuguese rule. You know, this is happening throughout the 50s. There are tensions escalating. There's a whole lot of stuff happening with India imposing like visa restrictions Mm. so people weren't able to travel as easily between Goa and India. India also imposed sanctions on Portugal. There are protests happening because Indian citizens are angry that the Portuguese are still here. Yeah. Rightfully so, I think. Yeah. Goan citizens had hoped that the the mounting nationalism of their country and the pressure of global public opinion would help push the Portuguese government to say, we'll give you back Goa. Right. But it didn't work. Because up until this point, most of the rest of the world was saying like, yeah, Portugal, like, do you think you maybe want to give India that land back? And Portugal was like, not really. And so there were little violent skirmishes here and there. And India started to kind of get more vocal about threatening violence as we're heading closer to the 60s. And various countries were saying like, don't be violent. That's not cool. And then India was like, well, we just want our land back. Like, we currently have this legacy of colonialism smack dab right. in the middle of our western coast. Well, and it and sounds like, like they've they've tried a lot of the other kind of yeah, more, I'm going to put in quote, diplomatic ways of trying yeah. to accomplish this goal. Again, yeah. not saying I condone violence necessarily, but right. I also understand the motivation behind it. Right. And again, I just keep thinking back to, you know, the U.S. history lesson that is also kind of embedded in this because it's Black History Month. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, Yeah, you have so many people talking up Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. and his policy of nonviolence, which, yes, is amazing. That doesn't necessarily mean that Malcolm X is a villain. Well, and that also was not MLK's whole narrative. (laughs) As a white person living in a country that has a history of colonialism and outright slavery Mm -hmm. where we kidnapped people and continue to try to push people of color below what white people are able to achieve. I just think it's really important to recognize hypocrisy. Yes. Sometimes, what are you supposed to do Mm -hmm. when you're being nonviolent and nothing is happening? Yes. Because the people in power would like to remain in power. Right. I think that's very, that's very well put. I'm not condoning violence, but am saying that maybe people should stop getting shocked when violence does then happen because you did not give space for conversations to occur. Right. So anyway, the Indian armed forces did resort to force in December, 1961. Okay. And they annexed Goa. The operation had the code name Operation Vijay, meaning victory in Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. And it involved air, sea, and land strikes. Wow. That's all three factions of the IAF. It is. I know. I was like, oh, we learned about that. And the whole skirmish lasted two days and 22 Indians were killed and 30 Portuguese were killed. Lives were lost. Yes. This is not good for anyone. And at the end, India was victorious and they saw it as the liberation of a historically Indian territory, while Portugal viewed it as an attack against its national soil and its citizens. Yes. 
after the victory, Portugal offered citizenship to all Goan natives who didn't want to live under Indian rule. Mm. And Lisbon actually went into mourning. They cut all diplomatic ties with India because, again, they did view it as an attack on their soil. It's also just important to note that in the days ahead of this operation, like, obviously, you could kind of tell something was going to happen. And all the Europeans living in Goa Mm -hmm. were fleeing. They were trying desperately to get back to Portugal. So civilians are affected by this. I mean, I understand that it was those people's home. Right. And that, I think, is what's so complicated about it. Right. If only we could rewind. If I could turn back time. (laughs) And just don't colonize it in the first place. I know. That is ultimately, like, always the answer, but... But we can't do that. And then we're left with this really complicated situation where a whole country was plundered and taken advantage of for centuries. And now that they're finally able to stand up and say, we would like to reclaim our full original power, other countries are like, yeah, but like, I built a house here. Well, yeah, like the particularly the plunderers are like, yeah, but I'm happy here. So it's just really complicated. And so after this all happened... There were mixed reviews globally. (laughs) And I think it's very telling that a lot of the African countries Mm -hmm. themselves, mostly European, like former colonies, were in favor of this. Yeah. Yeah. Solidarity. Fight back against colonialism. Why is this still around in the 20th century? Right. The Soviet Union was also very supportive of India. Okay. (laughs) Probably because of, you know, the common man and, and... And communism and yeah. But yeah, and then all the colonizing nations were really against it. Wow, who would have thought? And I'm just kind of like, y'all brought so much violence to these shores, Mm -hmm. whatever shores we're talking about. Yeah. White people brought violence everywhere. And now that it's being done onto them, it's like, well, no, you shouldn't do that because it's wrong. Yeah. You said roughly 50 people died in the liberation slash invasion of Goa, I would bet good money that way more people died when the Portuguese initially landed on Indian soil and overtook that. Because even if it wasn't like killing people for the land, spreading disease, you know, rape and assault and all of the other stuff that goes along with colonialism, like... Right. And again, not to say that then that makes it okay that people died, but to put it in perspective... There's blood on everyone's hands yes. here. And accept your own responsibility for yes. this violence that is now occurring. And if you do look at the fact that India was trying to figure out a solution, mm-hmm. and I frankly understand them running out of patience, yeah. of waiting for these more powerful nations, a.k.a. the white colonizing nations, yep. to finally say, you know what? Actually, yeah, what you're saying is of value, and we will agree to help you work this out. It's like, no, India had to take things into their own hands. Yeah. So there's a lot here. Mm-hmm. I did want to just say the United States official reaction to the annexation of Goa was to condemn it. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I'm reading here, it says that the U.S. Senate Foreign Relations Committee attempted to cut the 1962 foreign aid appropriation to India by 25%. But Mr. President at the time, 
Mr. JFK, he vetoed that. Oh. He was against reducing the amount of aid being sent to India, even in the wake of this annexation. Right. JFK did say to the Indian ambassador to the U.S., he said, you spend the last 15 years preaching morality to us, and then you go ahead and act the way any normal country would behave. People are saying the preacher has been caught coming out of the brothel. JFK, glass houses... Yeah, and then there was a lot of, like, the New York Times in the days after this said that with his invasion of Goa, Prime Minister Nehru has done irreparable damage to India's good name and to the principles of international morality. I think that sentence, I think it sums up perfectly the white Western perspective of these nations that were previously colonized. Yeah. Typically nations of people of color where it is this, I don't want to listen to you. I'm not going to listen to you because you don't matter to me except for what you can give me. And I've already taken everything I possibly can from your land and your people. But then, God, I'm trying to think how I want to phrase this, but it's this holier than thou. It's like you have the audacity to take up space that I tried to take from you. Yes, exactly. Thank you. I I think we'll leave it at that. Can I ask, though, some of the white people that we see in Goa in these movies are like actual people who live there. Do you have the stats on like, you know, how many like Portuguese people are still in the area? A small minority of Goans are descendants of the Portuguese. Okay. So So mostly they left. And it's tricky because, you know, they no longer would really have Portuguese citizenship. They are Goan. Yeah. They are Indian. Um, But it makes you wonder, yeah, like, what are the descendants there? What we discussed here just now is the bigger scale picture in terms of nation to nation. But I think that that does leave out a lot of the experiences of the day-to-day yeah, like, exactly. people living in this territory yeah. and how did those people feel about this because there was this sudden change and shift in we are no longer culturally Portuguese, we are culturally Indian. Yeah. And what does that look like? So I do, we watch a lot of movies that are set in Goa and I would love to return to this conversation Definitely. and maybe look at it on a more individual level. Yeah. And also, I mean, always interesting to think about a place where tourism is kind of the, the main industry. Yeah. And certainly there being a lot of like white people who are tourists in Goa and a lot of implications to that too. Yeah, I think that's another piece of it is gentrification and the fact that Goa is known for its Portuguese architecture and that that has kind of started to diminish over the decades. And so like what's worth preserving culturally and as a part of history versus what do you see as a a sign of colonialism, but that is part of your history, like. I hope that, again, this is a conversation that you and I can continue because I think I'm still processing it and would like to learn more. Love to seek out maybe a movie about this. I'm sure there has to be be, one. There has to be. Or even a documentary. Yeah. That's going to teach us more for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But maybe have less dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Pros and cons on both sides. (gasps) Should we talk about our next movie? (laughs) Yeah, our next movie, as we jokingly alluded to earlier, which is mm-hmm. Davite-ish, yeah. uh, which means 
Feast of Love. And this is one of my favorite movies. I know we say that every week. <laughs> but <laughs> I think, actually mean it this time. I think for the first time, this is like me saying this is a movie that is on my list of favorites. Other than Zindigi, I guess. Parniti Chopra, Anupam Kerr plays her dad. And we're introducing... Um, another of our favorite Bollywood boys, Aditya Roy Kapoor. The character he plays in this movie is so impossible not to fall in love with. Yeah. Yeah. But like in <laughs> we'll such a different about. way than I think we've seen. I've got IMDb pulled up. A story of Gulu, a Hyderabadi girl frustrated with dowry-seeking men, and Taru, a charming Lucknawi cook who crush old-fashioned worldview. That got a little grammatically <laughs> challenging at the end. <laughs> Who crush old-fashioned worldviews, I think, is an easy (laughs) edit to that. Throw an S at the end. I like that. Yeah. Nice and simple. Davateyashk is on Prime. And it's spelled D-A-A-W-A-T-E-I-S-H-Q. Yes. So the Amazon synopsis is... A deliciously romantic coming together of Gulu, a Hyderabadi shoes sales girl disillusioned with love because of her encounters with dowry-seeking men, and Taru, a Lucknowy cook who can charm anybody with the aroma and flavors of his biryani and kebabs. Mm-hmm. That's and accurate. Cauliflower. Yeah, both of those things look real tasty in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, with that, we will leave you, dear sweet listeners. <laughs> Until next time, remember, Bollywood doesn't need us. And frankly, India didn't need white people either. No, definitely Goa didn't need Portugal. (laughs) No, but circling back around to Bollywood, Kim and I, as white women in the U.S., definitely need Bollywood. Yep, we do. That's... (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Done. (laughs)